Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim by Robert C. O'Brien. Chapter 27, Part 2. The Doctor. The men in the white suits went into action. The back doors of the truck were opened and a long, flexible pipe unrolled. It looked like a fire hose, except that at one end, instead of a nozzle, there was a round plunger, like a big rubber ball cut in half. One of the men donned a mask with a glass visor and a tube that ran to a pack on his back, a gas mask. The masked man pulled the hose over to the center rat hole and pressed the plunger over it, covering it completely. From the back of the truck, the other two took a large box made of wooden wire almost a yard wide and placed it over the second hole. It was a cage, but half of its bottom was a trap door, neatly mounted on hinges. This they raised, placing the open part directly over the opening in the earth. Then they backed away, one of them holding a trip cord, which would close the trap door after the rats were inside. All set? The doctor called to the man in the mask. The mask nodded. Keep back now, the doctor said to Mr. Fitzgibbon, who left a tractor to watch. He walked to the truck, reached inside, and turned a switch. Mrs. Frisbee heard the soft throb of a pump. Now. She turned and watched the blackberry bramble in the woods. Would they hear the pump? Where were they? Oh, let them come out. Almost a minute passed. The men in white watched the trap. Nothing moved. Then she saw it. Behind the bramble, half hidden by a swirl of mist, a gray-brown shape, a rat, shaking earth from his ears. Another, then three more. They huddled in silence, waiting. More. How many? Ten? Seven. Only seven. Where were the other f three? Still, they waited. Then, as if by agreement, they stopped waiting. They ran, all seven of them, not back into the woods to safety, but out of the woods, toward the stubble of the rose bush, towards the men. At the edge of the bush, they stopped as if in confusion, ran to the left, ran to the right, then fled back into the woods. Now they were out of sight of the men, but not Mrs. Frisbee. Instantly, they regrouped behind the blackberry bramble and charged out again, but this time in smaller numbers, first two, then three, then two again. She saw what they were up to. They were not in the least confused. They were making seven rats look like 20 rats or 40, a steady stream of them. In the mist, in the hectic turning, running, shouting, hiding, she could not tell whether, whether or not she recognized any of them. The men shouted, look at that, a pack of them. How'd they get out? Get the nets. The doctor turned off the pumps. The men with the hose pulled off his mask. As a new wave of rats danced along the edge of the clearing, all three men ran to the truck and from it pulled long-handled nets. But Mrs. Frisbee, up on her branch, was staring at the blackberry bush again. She saw something that all of the others, including the rats, did not see. An eighth rat had come out. He emerged running, but he, then he stumbled. He got up and ran again, this time more slowly, circling vaguely to the right. He did not seem to know where he was going. He reached a sparse thicket of saplings almost out of her sight, and there, abruptly, he fell over on his side and lay still. Meanwhile, all three men, holding their nets low, ran across the stubble towards the parade of rats. But as they approached the parade, it vanished. The rats, their purpose accomplished, melted into the misty woods, and this time they did not reappear. Mrs. Frisbee watched them as they looped away swiftly in single file and disappeared from her view. Back into the deep forest and up the mountainside, the rear guard was gone, bound for Thorn Valley. But the eighth rat still lay unmoving among the saplings, and two had never come out at all. They're gone, the man who had worn the mask said. They fooled us. What happened? asked Mr. Fitzgibbon, standing near the truck. Simple enough, said the doctor. 
They had two escape holes, and they used the other one. He walked back to the blackberry bramble and bent down, kicking the branches aside with his foot. Here it is, he said, quite a long tunnel, one of the longest I've seen. To the other two men, he said, get the pick and the shovels. For half an hour, they dug, laying a narrow, laying open a narrow trench along the tunnel. From her angle of view in the tree, Mrs. Frisbee could see only the top of this trench and not down into the bottom. Still, she watched, saying to herself, perhaps after all, there were only eight. Maybe they decided that eight would be enough. Then one of the shovels broke through into air. They had come into the rat's storage room. There's two of them, said one of the men, and her heart sank. Who were they? She wanted to run and look, but did not dare. Careful, said the doctor. There may still be some gas in there. Let the wind blow it out. Phew, said one of the men. That's not gas, that's garbage. Open it up a little more, said the doctor. One of the men wielded his shovel for another minute, and then the doctor peered in. Garbage, he said, last night's dinner. Garbage and two dead rats. Mrs. Frisbee thought, he sounds disappointed. Only two, said Mr. Fitzgibbon. Yes, it's easy to see what happened. In a hole this size, there would have been a couple of dozen at least. But these two must have been up at the front near the tunnel. They got a whiff of the gas and it killed them. But before they died, they must have warned the others. So the rest ran out. Warn them, said Mr. Fitzgibbon. Could they do that? Yes, said the doctor. They're intelligent animals. Some can do a great deal more than that. But he did not elaborate. Instead, he turned to one of the men. You might as well take these two back with us. From the truck, the man produced a white paper sack and a pair of plastic gloves. He pulled the gloves on, reached into the hole, and placed the two dead rats into the sack. He did this with his back to Mrs. Frisbee, so she never got even a glimpse of them. All right, said the doctor, let's close it up. They shoveled the earth back into the trench and returned to the truck. You'll let me know if they have rabies, said Mr. Fitzgibbon. Rabies, said the doctor. Yes, of course, but I doubt it. They look perfectly healthy. Perfectly healthy, thought Mrs. Frisbee, sadly, except for being dead. She looked into the woods over toward the sapling where the other rat lay. Was he, too, now dead? To her surprise, she saw that he was moving, or was he? In the mist, it was hard to tell, but something had moved. After the truck had left, Mr. Fitzgibbon stood looking at the ruin of the rosebush. He seemed vaguely puzzled and disappointed. He must be wondering, she thought, whether it had been worth it just to exterminate two rats. He had no way of knowing, of course, that all the rest were also gone and would not return, that his grain loft was safe. In a moment, he turned and walked to the house. As soon as he was safely gone, Mrs. Frisbee scurried down from her tree and into the woods. On the ground, she could no longer see the rat or the thicket where he lay, but she knew the direction, and she ran. Around a stump, over a mound of leaves, past a cedar tree, there were the saplings, and there lay the rat, still on his side. It was Brutus. Beside him, futively trying to move him, stood Mr. Ages. She reached him, breathless from her run. Is he dead? No, he's unconscious, but he's alive and breathing. I think he'll revive if I can just get him to swallow this. Mr. Ages indicated a small corked bottle, no bigger than a thimble, on the ground beside him. What is it? An antidote for the poison. We thought this might happen, so we got it ready last night. He got just a little of the gas, made it this far, and then collapsed. Help me lift his head. Mr. Ages had been unable to lift Brutus's head and the bottle at the same time. Now, with Mrs. Frisbee's help, he forced open Brutus's mouth and poured in just a few drop, drops of the smoky liquid the bottle contained. In a few minutes, Brutus made a gulping noise, swallowed hard, and spoke. It's dark, 
He said, I can't see. Open your eyes, said Mr. Ages. Brutus opened them and looked around. I'm out, he said. How did I get here? Don't you remember? No. Wait. Yes, I, I was in the hole. I smelled gas, an awful, choking, sweet smell. I tried to run, but I stumbled over somebody lying on the floor and I fell down. I must have breathed some of the gas. I couldn't get up. And then I heard the others run past me. I couldn't see them. It was darker than night. Then one of them ran into me and stopped. He pulled me up. I tried to run again, but I was too dizzy. I kept falling. The other one helped me up again, and I went a few more steps. He kept pulling me and then pushing, and somehow finally I got to the end of the tunnel. I saw daylight, and the air smelled better, but there was nobody else there. I thought the others may have left, so I ran a little farther, and that's all I remember. Mrs. Frisbee said, What about the one who helped you? I don't know who it was. I couldn't see, and he didn't speak at all. I suppose he was trying to hold his breath. When we got near the end, I could see daylight. He gave me one last shove towards it, and then he turned back. He went back? Yes, you see, there was still one rat back in there, the one I stumbled over. I think he went back to help that one. Whoever he was, said Mrs. Frisbee, he never came out. He died in there. Whoever he was, said Mr. Ages, he was brave. <laughs>